BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything is the Tuesday, September 27th edition of the show. I am, in fact, your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Hopefully everybody is having a fantastic Tuesday. Hopefully everybody had a good weekend, etc. Uh, and hopefully you all joined us for the Sunday recap show that happens uh, in the mornings on Sundays, typically around 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, this past one, of course, uh, had to push back a little bit uh, because I had to get caught up on some things because I did not get to see everything that I wanted to see before we went live. But regardless, uh, we do it on Sunday mornings so that you know, we have Sunday night to kind of, or excuse me, Saturday night to kind of recapture exactly what went on. I can gather my thoughts and then it, it not just give you like a knee-jerk reaction, actually give you some insightful thoughts. That's the plan anyway. So if you are new to Winning Cures Everything, which there's always a new listener every time out, we do a show on Sundays, on Tuesdays, and on Thursdays. Make sure that we knock these things out, get as much college football information out there as possible, and, uh, and I like to talk through some things. So, if you would, so kindly, if you're watching the show on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button for us, and make sure that you are subscribed to the show. That would certainly help things along. Uh, our goal is 7,500 uh, for football season. We are close to 7,200, so we need about 300 more. So, share the show out, tell your friends about it, etc. You can also listen on the podcast version of the show as well. Not going to spend super long today. Uh, got some news topics that we want to hit. Of course, the most valuable college football players of the week, uh, the most watched games, because there are quite a few people that like listening to uh, what exactly happened with the ratings. And uh, I've got my NFL Super Contest picks for today. And, of course, the college football viewing guide for week number five. So let's go ahead and dive in. Topic number one here. Georgia Tech has fired 
Jeff Collins, their head coach, and of course the AD Todd Stansberry. And this is this one was not unexpected at all. Everybody knew what was going to happen here. Uh, the fact that they did it as early as they did was a little surprising. And the only reason why it was surprising is what what do you gain at this point? Because you could have now Brent Key is he was the offensive line coach. He is going to be uh, the interim coach. But this early firing situation, I mean, it's this is three straight weeks. Scott Frost at Nebraska uh, after week two. And then you had, after week three, Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Now, that one, of course, could have been NCAA-induced, but the fact that you did it after losing to Eastern Michigan, that's kind of a problem. Uh, and then Jeff Collins losing a hard-fought game to UCF. I mean, it was 27-10. to 10. That was definitely a better showing than you put up against Ole Miss at home the week prior. This one was on the road. What is the timing? And it appears to me that George Deck does not exactly have their ducks in a row, right? Uh They've got lists of candidates, and we're going to go over some of those candidates here in just a minute. But I think one of the biggest issues that you're running into is you don't have anybody necessarily in charge. So anybody that's going to come in here is going to want to know who their boss is uh, for the most part. I mean, this is not an Auburn situation, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But you got to get that situation handled first, and then you got to figure out who is the best fit for this job. So... Let's dive through some of the candidates, and I'm not going to have anything on the screen for this one, uh, but we're going to go through The Athletic and ESPN both put out lists of different candidates that they believe would fit this job, that would work at Georgia Tech, etc. And so I'm going to talk about whether or not they would fit or whether or not they would not. You know, who works in Atlanta at a uh, an institution that really, really values the academic side, Right. So let's, uh, let's take a look. They bring up Deion Sanders. I don't think that works in any way. Yes, obviously he had uh, a professional career in Atlanta. Yes, it might work from a recruiting standpoint a little bit. I don't believe they're going to give him everything that he wants. If Deion Sanders is going to take an FBS job, it's going to be somewhere where he has control, where he understands, uh, or where he has the best chance to bring in the biggest recruits. And that's not going to be at Georgia Tech. It's not Northwestern, it's not Stanford, it's not Vanderbilt, etc. They don't, the standards are not the same. So while you could have a few that you could let into school uh, with lower academic standards, you're not going to have an entire class full. So yeah, it's going to be a little more difficult to recruit to, to Georgia Tech. So I don't think Deion Sanders is going to work there. Uh, Todd Munkin is a name that's been brought up. He is Georgia's offensive coordinator. Unless he just is dying to be a head coach. And if he is, I think there's other opportunities. I don't see any reason why he goes uh, just a little across the state, not even across the state, I mean, just right out his back door, and goes and takes over a program that would have to play Kirby Smart's machine every single year when Munkin is making, I believe, $2 million, if not close to it, to be the offensive coordinator of an absolute juggernaut. Like, you're talking about a national title contender. Why would Munkin take the job? If you don't have a good answer for why Munkin would take it other than, eh, well, he just wants to be a head coach. Well, okay. We still don't have a good answer. And if, he's, if he wants to be a head coach, there will be other opportunities for him elsewhere where he has a chance to be more successful. So... Uh, Del McGee is the Georgia running backs coach. 
if it gets to that level, yes, I think I think McGee would take it, and I think he'd be good at it because I think he can recruit. Uh, it, I think it's it would be incredibly important um, at Georgia Tech to get somebody that understands the landscape, that understands Atlanta, and I think McGee does that. Uh, Bill O'Brien, I mean, he is getting the push. If you listen to Split Zone Duo, uh, CAA reps him, and they've got him in the list for every single job that is out there right now. All of them. I mean, it's just insane when you think about it. Uh, but he he's going to be up for all these jobs. And yeah, what he did at Penn State was impressive. And what he did at Houston when he wasn't the GM was incredibly impressive. Uh, but that one's a tough one to sell. Like, I've, it, It's not super tough to sell. Obviously, he comes in as OC. Alabama loses a bunch of uh, star wide receivers, etc. And in his first year with a rebuilt roster, he helps develop Bryce Young and win him the Heisman Trophy. Now, I think that has more to do with Bryce Young, but, yeah, if he wants to take the job, yeah, I guess I could see it working. I mean, there's a way it could work. I think he's more interested in NFL opportunities, but uh, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's soured on the NFL. If he wants to recruit and whatnot, uh, this would be a place where you should be able to do that. But we'll see. We will see. Uh, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina head coach, uh, here is the tricky part about this. Georgia Tech knows that the triple option worked for them under Paul Johnson. Uh, they didn't have to have fantastic recruiting classes, etc. Uh, there was there was definitely a ceiling. There was no national championship coming for them. And I don't know that there's anybody that they could hire that would bring them a national championship. With Jamie Chadwell, you would have a fun, exciting brand of offense. But I... I think it hinges on who is going to be the quarterback. You have to have a quarterback that understands and fits perfectly into that system. At Coastal Carolina, with Jamie Chadwell as the OC, even when he was uh, when he was the OC, I'm repeating myself, uh, they they did not look like this. They didn't look like this. They have only looked like this with Grayson McCall, and he will likely be in the NFL next year. So, uh, do you take that risk? Yes, the offense is incredibly fun. Yes, I think that Chadwell could be an incredibly successful head coach. But, again, there are questions there. Of course, there's uh, the NCAA stuff in his background. I don't know that that necessarily matters as much now. But what kind of value does Georgia Tech put on something like that? Just a question. Uh, Moving along, Dan Mullen already lives in Atlanta, uh, was at Florida. His record speaks for itself. Obviously, at Florida, it ended poorly, but... He was still a successful coach there. He just lost the team. Like, he, he lost them badly and, and mismanaged the roster. I mean, all kinds of problems. He's not going to recruit a, a lot of players, right? He's not going to recruit a lot of studs. But when he was at Mississippi State, which has uh, definitely not similar academic restrictions, but just restrictions overall, uh, he was successful. Now, that's where it gets tricky is he could find guys – that likely couldn't get into Georgia Tech and find a way to develop them at Mississippi State. I wonder what he can do at Georgia Tech with guys that can get in anywhere, but maybe you're not as uh, athletic, etc. So that's it's it's weird. I don't know that it would work, uh, but it's not like Mullen's a bad coach. So it wouldn't, uh, I don't think it'd be a bad hire. Bronco Mendenhall was brought up. I don't think that he wants to get back into coaching this quick. Now, I could be wrong, but 
when it, the way that he left Virginia just seemed like he's kind of done with this for a little while. I don't think he's interested in coming back. So I don't think that one's going to work. Uh, Tom Herman brought up, former Texas head coach, of course. He is looking to get back into college football. He's been brought up for the Arizona State job. I, I am curious. Like, I think that he could find a way to make it work in Atlanta. Uh, again, Herman, not a bad head coach. Like, not a bad head coach at all. Like, I, I don't know that anybody is going to be able to win big at Texas uh, until you get everybody aligned. He just wasn't able to align everybody. Now, that does lead to questions about Georgia Tech. Are they completely aligned? I don't know. Um, is there a coach on this list that could align everybody? And I don't know. Like I, We thought that Jeff Collins was that, uh, but that did not work. Jeff Lebby, of course, the Oklahoma offensive coordinator, former Ole Miss offensive coordinator, and the UCF offensive coordinator. Uh, you see what Heupel has done at Tennessee. Could Lebby do the same thing at Georgia Tech? Possibly. Um, but, of course, Lebby being associated with, uh, with Art Bryles, that could make it tricky. Uh, you have to wonder about these institutions that, uh, that have a lot of pride, etc. Are they going to be willing to do something along those lines? It's, it's, it's still a valid question all these years later, uh, you know, with what happened at Baylor and whatnot. But I, I do think that Lebby could be very successful. Uh, his offense would work in spades in the ACC. Uh, along with that, uh, hey, you know, we don't have to hit on anybody else. I mean, if I had to guess on anybody at this exact moment, uh, oh, oh, Matt Rule was one that was brought up. If Matt Rule's coming back to college football, I, I don't believe that Georgia Tech is where he's going to go. Like, it might fit into what he has done in the past, working at Temple and Baylor, uh, and I have no doubt that he would be successful there. But if he's coming back to college football, I I think it is much more likely that he takes a Nebraska or just a massive job that has not come open yet. Like that's that's where I see him. I don't see him fitting here. If I had to make a guess, uh, I you know what? I'm not going to make a guess right now. I have no idea. Like I, I I would love to see Jamie Chadwell get the job. I think he'd be great at it. But uh, there are. You know, some questions. There are some things to get around there that could make it uh, interesting. We'll just say interesting. All right, moving along. Let's talk about Auburn right quick. And this was, of course, uh, reported on Saturday morning from Bruce Feldman. If they get beat today by Missouri, I'm told there's a really good chance they could pull the plug on Harson as early as tomorrow. Why? If you already know that you're going to fire him, then why do you wait? Like, why why let him... Look, LSU was very smart about this with, with Ed Orgeron. They, they announced that Ed Orgeron had been relieved as the LSU head coach right after they got a win over Florida. They did not give it time for him to win back the roster or for him to build up hype, etc., uh, it's kind of the same situation that Joe Oliva had with Les Miles way back when. He won the last however many games, and the players are... Because everybody knew that he was going to be fired after the season. And then you build up too much goodwill among the fan base, etc., and nobody wants him fired. And then you look like the bad guy if you do fire him at the end of the year. And, 
uh, the rules have changed. Why are you allowing Harson to continue coaching? It, you're going to owe him the same money. What difference does it make? You, you already know that the season is a wash, regardless of what happened in a game against Missouri, where one of the worst teams in the SEC just took you at home to overtime. You know that you don't have much of a prayer against the rest of the schedule. Why? And so I don't really understand what they're doing, but uh, if you look, Joel Klatt, this is this is what he said on on his show on the Joel Klatt podcast. Uh, can you go into? Excuse me, this is on the next round. Uh, can you go into any living room in America and win recruiting battles? And to me, that's Deion Sanders. So that's why I think Dion is going to be the next coach at Auburn. I will go ahead and tell you, there is a 0% chance that Deion Sanders will be the coach at Auburn. 0%. And I will explain why. Deion Sanders is a coach that wants to be able to control everything. And at Auburn, he will not control anything. You already see what he has done at Jackson State. He's ending a bunch of these classics like the Southern Heritage Classic, etc. He is he himself is finding ways to schedule games to get Jackson State into premier opportunities, etc. At Auburn, you don't get to do that. At Auburn, you get told what to do. We just saw Alan Green get fired for not following what the boosters wanted to do. Deion Sanders is not going to go in there regardless of how much they pay him. That man has made so much money. He ain't worried about it. He coaches for the love of coaching. He's not going to do it somewhere where they're telling him what to do. So I I would be shocked, beyond shocked, because I think it is literally a 0% chance that he coaches at Auburn. Auburn is more likely to hire Hugh Freeze and bring in Kevin Steele as the defensive coordinator again. That's who's going to fit at Auburn, because that's somebody that'll do what he's told. Bottom line. So I it's it's a Deion Sanders to Auburn is not happening. It's just not happening. So and you guys can disagree with me in the comments or or whatever if you want to, but I'm telling you, that ain't happening. And anybody that's around that Auburn football program or or around the state of Alabama knows it as well. Auburn will not it doesn't matter if they want to do it. He ain't coming up there because he won't have control. Bottom line. All right, moving along. The NCAA is considering the possibility of running the clock after incomplete passes because they need to shorten the games. The games are getting much, much longer. Uh, This is from Seth Emerson over at The Athletic. College football games are taking longer, and everyone, including TV, wants to fix that. Uh, if you look at the schedules, which we do in the viewing guide every week, of course, and we'll do that at the end of the show, but on the viewing guide, uh, you notice that there is a time window. And it's it's typically three hours. Sometimes they put three and a half or whatever for college football games. That's the neat little window that it's supposed to fit in. And yet, it's not fitting in that. It's not. It, it would be wonderful if you could get every game to fit somewhere between three hours and 15 minutes and three hours and 30 minutes. The only ones that you were getting to do that are like Air Force, Navy this weekend. That's about it. Uh, and the reason for it is, well, let's let's see. It says, you're not imagining it. College football games are taking longer and not a small amount longer. Um, 
The television networks and their annoying timeouts are not to blame. Nor are the long replay reviews. It's not even the epic weather delays because even if you take out or take those out, the average college football game has lengthened by four minutes since 2017, now out to an average of three hours and 22 minutes, even though the number of plays is going down. It says four minutes is a lot, uh, according to the NCAA coordinator of officials, Steve Shaw, who tracks the data. Uh, the why is very complex. It says perhaps, but there is one main uh, overriding reason why game times have gone up so much lately. Passing. Now, it, go and go to The Athletic. If you don't already have a subscription, it, it, they're not paying me to do this, but I'm telling you, go ahead and check them out. Um, they are, they've done this FBS-wide per game averages for both teams. In 2002, you had 27.9 incompletions um, and 39.5 first downs. So, and then only 9.1 TDs and field goals. So, only 9.1 scores per game. You look in 2022, 23.9 incompletions, uh, 43.4 first downs, and 10.3 touchdowns and field goals. So, while the incompletions have gone down, the first downs and the touchdowns and field goals have gone up. So, it's a lot more. And when you look at rushes, which, of course, the clock continues after a run, whenever you stay in bounds, of course, uh, 79 rushes per game in 2002 to 77.6 in 2012 to 74.6 so far this season. Um, a, lot more, a lot more teams are passing the ball. Like, it's just, uh, you, you can look at, uh, Alabama's the perfect example of this. Go back to 2008 and look at Nick Saban's offense. And then look at it in 2016. And then look at it now. I mean, it's they're passing the ball, what, 65% of the time? I mean, it's absolutely insane. Uh, I don't think that that's the only thing that you would have to do is just run the clock even after an incomplete pass. I don't think that's the only thing. Uh, I think you could save a whole lot of snaps, a whole lot of everything. And we've talked about this on the show before where if you were to keep the clock running after a first down, keep the clock running when they go out of bounds, keep the clock running on an incomplete pass, like all of those different things shorten the game, allow you to play less snaps, uh, give you more volatility as far as the scores go, so you don't have these super talented teams that have more opportunities for the best player to win on any given play, you have all sorts of things that would work in your favor as a sport overall if you were to do these things. Not only that, you could save up to two full games worth of snaps per season if you were to do all these things. There are ways to make this work to make the game shorter, which is better for the fan, better for TV, etc. Um, but also better for the student-athletes which I know that we've kind of forgotten about them here uh, with the sport and everything that's been going on, but that's still something that's massive, especially when it comes to, like, an expanded playoff. You're asking these kids to play even more games per season. Like, why not just find a way to to lower the amount of snaps that they have to play on a per-game basis and, and overall on the season? I think it makes a lot of sense. So uh, we'll move along from there, and let's hit on... Hurricane Ian. Now, this is a, a tricky one. Uh, let's talk about its effect on college football for this weekend. 
Now, obviously, it is supposed to hit Florida on, I think, Thursday morning, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I swear to God, I'm going to get my allergy medicine this afternoon. Um, it was on back order, but it'll be here. And that way, maybe I will quit scratching my nose in the middle of the live show. But regardless, looking at the hurricane track, it's supposed to hit just south of Tampa, uh, just south of Bradenton. Uh, looks like it's going to be, let's see, around Inglewood, Northport, etc., just south of Sarasota. And by Saturday, so this, of course, the 29th is on Thursday. It'll be in Orlando, a direct shot on Disney World. Not great. Um, and then you will have, da, 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 it goes up. Let's zoom back out here so that you can see. Um, around Columbia on October, so that's on what, Sunday? I don't know. I guess that's on Saturday, October 1st. Uh, Charleston, Myrtle Beach, all that. You're going to get a lot of rain. You're going to get a lot of wind, all that kind of stuff. What games are being moved? What is being talked about? Reddit CFB has done a great job kind of putting this stuff together. Florida and Eastern Washington. That game is being moved from Saturday to Sunday at noon. Uh, South Carolina, South Carolina State is being moved from Saturday to Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, Alabama A&M, Bethune-Cookman is staying the same, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, we're waiting to see what happens with Florida State and Wake Forest. Um, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I think FAU is already going out to uh, North Texas, so I, I don't imagine we'll see much of a change there. Uh, South Florida, which is based in Tampa, uh, they they were supposed to host ECU this weekend. That game has now been moved to Florida Atlantic, uh, so they're moving it across the uh, the state. A pretty smart move to me. Uh, FIU, uh, I mean, that's a night game on Saturday night. I don't imagine we will see anything change with that because it doesn't look like this thing's going to hit Miami. So the only issue would be getting New Mexico State there. But I don't think you're going to have a problem with that. So uh, other than that, I mean, you got Warner and Weber International canceled. Uh, I just, I, I don't think we're going to see a ton as far as now, what what you will see, more than likely, uh, UCF is hosting SMU on Saturday. I think the cleanup is going to force them to either move that or change the date. So, I'm not sure. Because it looks like it's going to hit Orlando uh, as a hurricane or close to it. Probably, it's still a tropical storm at that point. Uh, but it's going to hit that on Friday. Uh, no, I guess that'll still be on Thursday. It's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on. Obviously, I'm not a meteorologist, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this. Uh, We'll keep an eye on it. We'll talk about it more on Thursday. If anything changes, obviously, we'll report it back here. But uh, but keep an eye on it. That uh, that Reddit CFB uh, Hurricane Ian update, or Ian, or whatever they want to call it, uh, go and check that out. Really, really insightful, super in-depth, good to go. All right, with that said, uh, let's hit this. And then on the backside, most valuable CFB players of the week, uh, the most watched games of the week, my NFL spread picks, and our viewing guide. Let's do it. Let's check out some things you should know about. College football is back, and BetUS TV has you covered. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we've got expert game analysis to help you make informed decisions before kickoff, only on the BetUS TV College football channel. 
Visit winningcureseverything.com to find everything you need to know about us, including full shows in video or podcast form, gambling picks, merch, the gear we use, and more. If you want more content from me, Gary, visit BetUSTV.com. I host the How to Gamble on Sports Show and, from August through January, the BetUS College Football Show. You can subscribe to both on YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. And now, back to the show. All right. Let's move into the top five most valuable college football players of the week. Uh, I do it based on P5 and G5. So we'll start with the P5. Uh, You got Keanu Hill, the wide receiver from BYU. I'm going to count him as a P5 player. Uh, Just fantastic performance last week against Wyoming. Tavion Robinson from Kentucky did awesome last week against Northern Illinois. Uh, He was number two on this list. Number three is Michael Wilson from Stanford. Uh, they had to find somebody else to uh, to be a playmaker, and they obviously did that. Of course, they're doing that with uh, with EJ Smith now out for the season. Uh, he he did pretty well. Now, don't get me wrong; Washington still won and covered that game, but uh, but yeah, Michael Wilson showed out well. Uh, Antoine Green, wide receiver for North Carolina, he was back in the lineup against Notre Dame. He was number four on this list. Number five, Tony Franklin uh, from Oregon. I mean, just fantastic performance, especially late against Washington State. Uh, if you don't like having BYU on this list, then we'll add one more. That was uh, Barry and Brown from Kentucky. They just had a passing performance uh, that was really good against Northern Illinois. So you had two Kentucky wide receivers on this list. Uh, next up, the G5 list. And that would be Jake Bailey from SMU. Uh, Derwin Burgess Jr. from Georgia Southern. You had Michael uh, Jefferson from Louisiana in a losing effort. Uh, Alex Adams from Akron. And Adonicus Sanders from Temple. Adonicus is such a fun name. Uh, But that was number five there. Uh, Let's talk about the top five most watched college football games of the week. Florida at Tennessee. 5.57 million on CBS. Uh, I'm actually going to give you six this week because we had, I mean, there were six games that all had over 3 million viewers. That that used to be bonkers. Uh, and now we are just getting it routinely. Uh, but Florida at Tennessee on CBS, 5.57 million was number one. Number two was content at Ohio State, 4.59 million on ABC. Number three, surprisingly to me, Maryland at Michigan. million on Fox. Now, it was a tighter game than you would have uh, imagined it being, so that probably brought in a few more viewers. But, uh, but yeah, 4.38 million on Fox. Arkansas against Texas A&M on ESPN. That one had 3.49 million viewers. Uh, And then, of course, number five, Notre Dame at North Carolina. I I shouldn't be surprised because it's a Notre Dame game. Um, but those two drew 3.458 million average viewers on ABC. And then the sixth one, just tossed in here for good measure because this was a little bit later a game on Fox, Kansas State at Oklahoma, 3.369 million average viewers on that one. 
Uh, just awesome numbers. The college football numbers continue to grow each and every week. It's it, this is this is good for the sport. This is certainly good for the sport. So uh, good good showings there. Now let's dive into uh, the NFL Super Contest picks heading into Week Four. Thus far on the season, I am nine and six against the spread. I went three and two last week. Uh, so not too shabby, but uh, but let's go on and do it. Let's talk about it. And I never I never go long on these, but I just want to give you my picks, what I'm entering into my contest, and as it sits, uh, like I said, I'm nine and six thus far against the spread this year. Uh, I do these based on power ratings. I sometimes look at trends just to get an idea, but more so, this is based on what my power ratings are. So. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears plus three and a half. Uh, I think that line should be closer to uh, a pick them, basically. If you're going to be three and a hook at the Giants, uh, I will certainly do that. Um, head-to-head on this, uh, the road team is actually eight and three against the spread in the last 11 in the, between these two. Uh, the underdog is five and one against the spread in the last six. Uh, Giants, of course, Monday night game, short week. Uh, the Bears, I think, have looked a little bit better then people are giving them credit for. I, I have them power rated uh, a little bit higher, so I, I will take the Bears to cover three and a half here. Uh, next game, the Rams against the 49ers. This one, of course, Monday Night Football. The Rams are a two-and-a-half-point dog. Now, the trends certainly go against me. The Rams 0-5 against the spread in their last five against the 49ers. However, the underdog is 7-0 and against the spread in the last seven between these two. Uh, the Rams have always been slightly overrated in this matchup. Uh, Not just in this matchup, just overall, right? People loved Sean McVay for a little while. They were getting a lot of of juice. I will say that. Uh, In this situation, I think they're actually being undervalued a little bit here, so I'm going to take the Rams to cover 2.5 on Monday Night Football at the 49ers. The Bills at the Ravens. I'm going to take the Ravens to cover 3.5. Yeah, I know there's injuries. Yeah, I get all that. But the Bills have injuries too. Um, the Bills are 1-4 and four against the spread their last five in Baltimore. Uh, the home team in this is 4-1 and one against the spread in the last five matchups between the two. Uh, I think the Ravens are pretty good. I mean, you've got Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Both of them are really good. Both of them can win a game by themselves. I will take Lamar at home to... Uh, I think they got a shot to win the game. You're giving me three and a hook. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to take it. So give me the Ravens. Next one, number four, Browns. A one-point favorite at the Falcons. I get all of the injuries. I understand Joby, uh, Jacoby Brissett is not as good as Deshaun Watson. I get it. I know that there's problems with the Browns. I do think there are still problems with the Falcons. I know that they've looked pretty good the first couple of weeks. I don't think the Saints are very good. I don't think the Seahawks are very good. Uh, I will I will absolutely take uh, the Browns as a one-point favorite in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta, 1-5 against the spread in their last six at home. Uh, the Browns are 4-1 against the spread their last five against Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to take that because that included when the Browns were not very good. Like, I still think that this Browns team is okay, uh, so I will take them to cover one point on the road in Atlanta. The Commanders at the Cowboys. This is my number five game here. I like the Cowboys to cover three and a half. The Commanders are 2-5 and five against the spread in their last seven against the Cowboys. Uh, I think Cooper Rush is good. Like, this Cowboys team looks... They were 
a complete disaster on opening night against Tampa Bay. I, I get that. But since then, this team looks well put together. They look they look good. So yeah, I know that they had the Monday night, you know, they've got the short week, but they've won two straight. I don't think the commanders are very good. Uh you're telling me that you're gonna get Carson Wentz to go on the road and, and win a game against a good team or even stay within three of the Cowboys. I'm gonna take the Cowboys. hundred percent. Give me give me the give me them boys minus three and a half to cover there. So to recap here, Bears plus three and a half, Rams plus two and a half, uh the Ravens plus three and a half, the Bears, excuse me, the Browns minus one, and the Cowboys minus three and a half. Remember, thus far on the season, nine and six against the spread, three and two last week. Here's hoping we can have three and two weeks every single week out. We're hoping. We're hoping. All right. Moving along, let's uh, let's go in and hit the college football viewing guide for week number five. I'm going to go in and pull it up on the screen here so that you can see what's going on, and I will tell you what I am doing at each of the big prime spots. Starting on Thursday night, of course, there's only one game, Utah State at BYU. Uh, BYU has lost multiple quarterbacks in games against Utah State. Uh, I think you're really going to just be trying to get out of, you know, out of a game without getting anybody hurt. So that's that's my biggest thing here. Um, Tulane at Houston is on Friday. Now, there are multiple games on Friday. That one is incredibly interesting to me. I've got, I'll have that one on the main screen, and then, of course, I will keep it on so that I can watch Washington and UCLA after that. Tulane and Houston, I need to figure out what those teams are because I just, I have no idea. Um... Other than, there's nothing else on Friday that really intrigues me other than maybe uh, UTSA and Middle Tennessee uh, because I, I got to see what Middle Tennessee is after just thumping Miami. Uh, UTSA is a favorite there. I mean, just crazy. Uh, Boise, of course, is going to start the freshman at quarterback uh, now that Hank Bachmeyer is transferring uh, and the OC, Tim Flau, has been, uh, has been fired. So moving along to Saturday, uh, the noon slate. Uh, I am going to be watching Kentucky at Ole Miss. Uh, that one's going to be on ESPN uh, at 11 a.m. Central Time, of course, God's time zone. Um, but along with that, on my other TVs, I'm going to have Oklahoma at TCU, which is on ABC in that time. And I'm going to have Illinois at Wisconsin, which is on the Big Ten Network. Uh, that one, I think, has the... That could be a sicko game. So I will, I will certainly be watching that. I want to see what Illinois does. Brett Bielema's return to Camp Randall. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Michigan-Iowa could be a little crazy. I think Minnesota is is going to devour Purdue. Um, and then Louisville-BC, eh, there's nothing there for me. Uh, Georgia State-Army, mm, uh, Temple-Memphis, eh. You know, other than, and Navy and Air Force maybe could get interesting. Um, Navy put up some fight last week against East Carolina, so maybe that's something. Moving into the Saturday 3.30 slate, uh, I, I'm i going to have Alabama and Arkansas on. I want to see it because Arkansas, to me, is still the better team than Texas A&M. I know they lost the game, but it, I, Arkansas was the more dominant team in that game. I mean, they, they were better from kickoff to the end of the game and just had some bad things go against them. Uh, I think they're going to be fired up for this. I mean, Drew Sanders leads that team. Arkansas leads the country in sacks. I mean, just nuts. And I don't trust that Alabama offensive line. 
So Alabama, of course, we've seen them on the road. Uh, they ain't great on the road. So this one could get tricky. So I think that one could be could be interesting. Wake Forest and Florida State, that's an interesting one uh, because I, you have to wonder if it's going to be moved or not. Like, are they going to do something with that? Uh, so we got to pay attention to that one. Oklahoma State at Baylor on Fox. That's a big, 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 big matchup. Uh, this is the first time that we've actually seen Oklahoma State play anybody. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this one for sure. That one's going to be another TV. And, of course, right down here, Iowa State at Kansas. That one's going to be fun. That one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I need to be clicking these so that I can actually save them. Uh, but regardless, here, Tulane, Washington. Uh, da, 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 da. And there you go. SMU at UCF, if it actually happens. Mm, yeah, that one, that one could get fun uh, because... One of those teams could be competing for the AAC championship. We'll, we'll have to see. We will have to see. Uh, Michigan State, I, I want to see what kind of a dumpster fire they could actually be. It's on FS1 at Maryland. Um, but Talia Tagovailoa, you know, got banged up pretty good against Michigan last week. And we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Oregon State at Utah is another interesting one. It's on the Pac-12 network. It's at 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern. But, mm, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be searching out the Pac-12 network. I will I will certainly say that. Not for that game. Uh, Saturday, 7 p.m. spot. NC State at Clemson. I think that's the biggest one. Obviously, Clemson is going to get rain. There's going to be a lot that's going on in South Carolina. This one could be incredibly interesting. I don't know if everybody remembers the Notre Dame at Clemson game from back, you know, years ago, the bring your own guts game. Uh, that's what we could have here. Just a lot of running the football, uh, Defensive showdown, not a lot of points, etc. That this one could get very, very interesting. So I'm going to have that one on. Uh, on the other TV, I'm going to have LSU at Auburn. It could be the end of the Brian Harson era. If you ever wanted to watch Brian Harson coach, you might want to tune in for this one because I think LSU has got some things figured out. I think this is a pretty good football team. Um, they're not good when they go on the road on the plains, but this feels like a different situation. So. Uh, FS1 is going to have West Virginia at Texas. That one, to me, looks like it could be very, very interesting. So I will be, I will have those on the screen in the 7 o'clock time slot. NC State at Clemson on the main TV, LSU, Auburn, and West Virginia, Texas on the other ones. Uh, moving along, of course, the late night games. And there's not a lot of options this week. Just, just not a lot as far as what you could actually watch. Stanford at Oregon. Arizona State at USC. Both of them should be blowouts. Uh, Stanford, of course, announced that EJ Smith is going to miss the year, so that definitely sucks. But, uh, but yeah, overall, not too shabby. Not too shabby of a weekend. Uh, every weekend is good when you get college football. Just the way it goes. With that said, it's time for us to get out of here. The show, of course, is brought to you by BetUS, America's premier online sportsbook. Every single time out, they do the thing. They know what's up. Uh, they also bring you the picks contest. So go ahead and make sure that you have signed up for this week's picks contest. I've got, I've already got the games in. Make sure that you sign up. Of course, there's a link in the description for that. But also go and check out the BetUS uh, college football show that I host on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Uh, lots of fun things that we dive into there. The BetUS main TV channel. And of course, just sign up over at BetUS. I mean, just easy enough to do. So, uh, BetUS.com, BetUSTV.com. Those are the best ways to get it. Uh, actually, no, the best way to do it is, of course, click on the links 
that I have for you in the description. That's the best way to do it. If you want to help support the show, that would help us out quite a bit. But yes, brought to you by BetUS, America's premier online sportsbook, where the game begins. Check out BetUS.com. All right. Uh, with that said, I don't think there's any other notes, anything that we need to hit on. Uh, we could dive into the Luther Burden uh, stuff that's going on at Missouri. Looks like a little bit of drama, but it, he appears to have cleared that up. Uh, along with that, the SEC TV for Week 6, why on earth did CBS choose Georgia and Auburn at 2.30 instead of Tennessee and LSU? Uh, from what I am told, this is coming from somebody, not a source, but you get the point. Uh, ESPN had second choice after CBS took Texas A&M and Alabama for the night game. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, good for the Vols, though. They don't have to play in Death Valley at night, so that's good. All right, let's get out of here. You guys have been fantastic. Subscribe, like the video, share the show, all that good stuff. Uh, And we will see you all again on Sunday. Uh, With that said, you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show.